That's for sure. Here we go. Love Talk Radio. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. That's what we're doing, Mike. I'm, uh, I don't even know if I can... Hey, are you coming through clear? Because uh, I know we're connecting to Brandenburg. Can, can I... Can I? Can you hear me? Hello, hello. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Uh, this is what we get when we try to connect to through to Brandenburg, Kentucky, right? I know we have to go through the local barber shop. We have to come over, get rerouted over there to the fire department. Probably they got a fish fry probably going on there, right? And then and then we we finally get to hear Mikey on the other side. Whatever. You must be on uh, Anna Maria Island. They're uh, close to Bradenton, right? Something like that. Something. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of Red vs. Blue Friday Night Football, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, team legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. As always, joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Michael, we had a great fourth, happy Fourth of July, brother. Uh, great weekend that we've uh, we've kicked off here. And I just have a question for you. I, I've got to know how you guys communicate down there in good old Brandenburg, Kentucky, and. I talk to a lot of people, some on the West Coast, uh, some on the East Coast, some on the Left Coast, and I, I've come to the conclusion that everybody does same, something a little bit different when it comes to the festivities that we do out in the backyard, okay? And, and I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the cookout. And for the most part, yeah. Indiana, everybody that I talk to, we call it, you know, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to have a cookout, or, or maybe you might hear the ever occasional we're going to grill out and, and then sometimes some of these people that i talk to they say we're going to have a barbecue and and i'm like oh you're going to have a barbecue right uh you you're going to put some barbecue salt no no we're not going to use any of that we're just going to we're just going to uh, we're just going to have a barbecue what do, what do you guys call it when you when you have it out there and you fire up the grill it's a grill out it's a grill out <laughs> either one it's not a barbecue Every time I hear a barbecue, I'm thinking of barbecue sauce. I'm so surprised. I'm like, I I don't know. I'm I'm so surprised by how many people call it a barbecue, and they're not even using barbecue sauce. I mean, okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna smolder everything in barbecue sauce, wrap it up, and then just pull everything out, and there's barbecue dripping it, call it a barbecue. But you don't call a barbecue a barbecue if you're not gonna use any barbecue sauce. You call it a cookout. It's a cookout. No, it's a cookout. Everybody, uh, thank you. Uh, I hope everybody had a very safe Fourth uh, of July uh, holiday kicked off here. Usually, it's this nice four-day weekend. I feel very sorry for all the all the folks that do work on Fridays uh, on the on the Fourth of July weekend. But thank you uh, to everybody joining the show. This is the Red versus Blue Show, sponsored by FFToolbox.com and the Fantasy Football World Championship. Uh, you can catch us live. Uh, every Friday night at 9 p.m., or you can catch the podcast. It's always available on iTunes or your for your MP3 player, uh, your iPod, what have you. And, uh, look, this is a fun show tonight. We've got Kimmer Schlisser, uh, the number six player ranked in the world, as according to the Global Player Index, the high-stakes rankings that we have for the industry. It crosses all of the different contests. It puts all a bunch of data into these uh, into these into uh, this formula, and it's based on wins and record and making the playoffs and how many teams are in the competition, how much of an entry fee you're paying, uh, you're paying, how much money is in the prize pool. It takes all those factors, puts them all together, and spits out a ranking. And, look, it's the first attempt at something like this that I think we've seen for our industry. It's a natural evolution of the industry. Is the system perfect? No. I see some names that I personally consider are better than that uh, because they play in a lot of side leagues and they dominate in the side leagues. But the only leagues that count in this ranking are the high-stakes main event leagues. 
uh, from the FFPC, the NFFC, and of course the Fantasy Football World Championship. Those three professional circuits. Uh, Mike, that's uh, that's the way it goes, and uh, you have you have just now started to play, and and so you will continue. The more you play, you'll continue to get your ranking up there. Yeah, you know it's. Uh, I, I saw the rankings, and uh, you know that doesn't phase uh, me one bit. But uh, when I look at the uh, top twenty, twenty-five, uh, you know those uh, men and uh, and ladies, they 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 put uh, they put a lot of money up, and they put the money up uh, to win. And when they do win, that's why they're ranked that high. And uh, Kimra, uh, she's a testament of that. Uh, obviously, Chad Schroeder and a lot of others uh, that uh, they belong at the top of the list because they get into a lot of events, but they're successful in those events. So, uh, you know, kudos to uh, to all of those that uh, do that well. Yeah, you do have the occasional player that plays in a lot of the events, and so it is a uh, it is a numbers game in there. Uh, but look consistently these guys at the top of that list, guys and gals, I recognize most all of those names, and I know what a nightmare it is to be drafting beside them and be sniped over and over again. And that's how it feels when you're drafting with some of those names. They draft all year long. So let's get into some news before Kimmer does join us. We've got a ton of questions and content to get to her and to, and to ask her uh, tonight on Red vs. Blue. We're also going to be doing our Super Bowl predictions. We do it every July, Mike. We pick one team from the AFC, one team from the NFC, and we do, and, and the MVP, and we take and we take a winner for the Super Bowl. So we're going to do that at the end of the show tonight. So you guys can be uh, you, you guys can be putting your predictions in there into the chat room. The crew here, the chat room, Red vs. Blue, very good crew tonight on this Fourth of July weekend. So let's get right to it. My Seahawks, Marshawn Lynch, DUI hearing postponed again. That's a good sign for Marshawn Lynch owners that have been waiting to figure out what's going to happen there. The trial presumably won't start before December 27th. Uh, when a readiness hearing is scheduled, so it does. Hello? We we were we we were kind of worried. Mike, can you hear? Scott, Mikey, I'm here, buddy. Mike is having technical difficulties. Let's let's check the chat room and make sure that they can all hear us in the chat room. Can I can you hear, hear you now. Or can you? Okay. All right. So I I think uh, Mike is having some issues with the phone. It's Brandenburg, Kentucky. What do you want me to say? You're in the hills, right? Aren't there a bunch of hills in Kentucky? Whatever, man. No, man, I'm I'm good to go. You just cut out, dude. Well, I haven't heard from the chat room that I've I've cut out, so I'm not 100% certain that it was me. It could be you because I could hear you the whole time. So uh, let me ask you a question, and everybody in the chat room, the, the, the capital of Kentucky, is it Louisville, Frankfurt, or Lexington? I always get those confused. The capital of Kentucky is Frankfurt. Oh, I wouldn't. Why is it Frankfurt? What does Frankfurt have to offer this? If you had to redo the capital right now, wouldn't it a hundred percent of the way? Wouldn't it be Louisville? Just go ahead. Wouldn't it be Louisville right now? No way. No way. Hell no. Hell no. It's going to be Frankfurt. It always will be Frankfurt. That's the Commonwealth of Kentucky, man. You got to understand that. Now, the capital of Kentucky, the uh, uh, sports wise, right now. Collegiate-wise is Louisville, Louisville, no doubt Louisville. Well, uh, look, uh, you guys have John Calipari. We have Rick Patino. I was very saddened but also proud to see Brad Stevens from uh, the University of Butler go to the NBA, take the money, take oh, the cash. He, he could have had any job in the country. He still can have any college job in the country, win, lose, or fail, uh, you know, at, in Boston. He's going to have his pick of any job in the country when it comes to the time for, for going back to college. And you know that's kind I, of the inevitable. But he has he has the mindset, to, I think, to be a really good pro coach. Very happy for Brad Stevens. Well, Scott, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that uh, topic up because I, I'm, I'm really happy for him. Uh, I think he's in a situation to where, you know, he may fail, but if he does, what he do? The bottom line is, He's in a situation to where all of these guys are out of this out, out of this situation. He's going to be able to coach typical uh, guys that he's used to coaching. I mean, it's a total rebuilding stage for Boston. Boston's taking a risk by hiring this guy, but they got him young. They got him cheap. I guarantee you that. I mean, I saw the contract uh, online the other day, and but the bottom line is, you know. 
it, it's a chance for Boston to rebuild, and it's a chance for this guy to, you know, take take an opportunity at glory and see what happens. I mean, what coach would not want to take the Boston Celtics job? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, like I said, if if it does happen and he does uh, end up uh, losing the job at Boston, you know, I always there's a lot of people in the Louisville area uh, before the Patino uh, victory here. They were they were kind of claiming that hey, when Patino finally hangs it up, Brad Stevens was kind of hanging around Butler to take that Louisville job. But now it looks like that's gonna be a different uh, script for Brad Stevens. He's writing his own script and justifiably so. He's one heck of a one heck of a coach. Going to be very uh, excited to root for. It's probably what's going to be a terrible team in Boston for a couple of years. But he he does have uh, the potential to bring back. So back to Marshawn Lynch. It is a late uh, hearing. It, it probably the the league probably won't rule until the trial concludes, whenever that day comes. So this likely uh, has very little impact on Marshawn Lynch's season. FF Toolbox we do have him ranked as the number nine running back. Uh, in the league. We're saying take him uh, right there at the end of the first round. So uh, Marshawn Lynch unaffected. Browns news, Mike. Brandon Whedon <laughs> excited for tight end Jordan Cameron uh, and Travis Benjamin. They're all they're both likely to start. Uh, so it sounds like with Josh Gordon being out, Travis Benjamin steps in. Probably not a name you're very familiar with, but you should get familiar with this Jordan Cameron kid. Very talented. We have a lot of information documented uh on FF Toolbox, if you go over there, he's currently the 19th tight end off the board uh, on the ADP, which we think might be a little low, uh, Mike. But he's the, the sky is the limit for Cameron. We kind of we've kind of known that, that he has that potential, and this offense now under Norv Turner fits him extremely well, and usually fits tight ends very well, a la Antonio Gates. So, do you have you have you had your eye on Jordan Cameron in, in your dynasty league, Mike? Yeah, you almost have to. I mean. There's uh there's different things happening uh, in that offense. Uh, a lot of things that are positive. Uh, they're uh, they're making some uh, different adjustments on the old line. So uh, you know you can you incorporate that all together, and there's going to be a lot of good things uh, that's going to happen for that team. And uh, so uh, you know that that means Cameron Cameron's going to get plenty of touches. It just uh, you know, and you have to also understand that uh, Baltimore, um, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh specifically, they're not going to be what they were. So, uh, you know, that's that's two more games that, that this guy can have a lot of uh, a lot of good things happen to him. Uh, one of the teams that you're pretty high on, Mike, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Bengals coach Hugh Jackson, the running back coach said Giovanni Bernard, the rookie running back, could be an every-down player. And I've been screaming this from the rooftops when we called him our skyrocket running back uh, about a month ago. We said this guy would continue to rise up draft boards as people started to see him in the preseason. I don't think the, that, that, that move is going to happen until you start to actually see him in action, in pads, in the preseason, and remember, they, they play these guys probably, he's going to get work in week one, or in game one, two, and three, so he'll have probably three chances, maybe about 30 carries total, uh, to really show what he can do, and probably a couple of receptions. Once this kid gets catches that ball and open in space, you're going to see him start to fly, and that's when exciting things are going to happen for his ADP. So I'm telling you right now, if you're in drafts, and you're drafting him, and you're thinking about, oh, drafting him in the fifth or sixth round or something, I would do it because I think what's going to happen in the preseason, it's inevitable, Mike, running backs always skyrocket when they look good. And running backs are very hard to come by, and, and so they start to, the ADP always rises. So if you can get him in the fifth or sixth, listen to what I say. It's going to happen. His, his ADP is going to rise dramatically once it comes time for the preseason. By the time we get in Vegas, Mike, this guy is going to be one of those guys that people are snagging early in the hopes that he has more of a, a more of a workload than just a timeshare back with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Yeah, yeah, you know I totally agree with that. Um, he's he, he's a special back. He's a small back, but he's a special back because he's explosive. Uh, he he can make things happen real quick, uh, and man, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and you know just has a total package. Uh, so uh, yeah. People may not uh, see it right away. Uh, like you said, they may see it in the first couple of preseason games. If they don't, 
and he may not perform in the first couple of preseason games. But the bottom line is, I'm all in with this guy. I'm all in and redrafting with this guy in, in the uh, third, fourth round. Mobile in the chat room says, I hope Greg Olson finishes top five this year. It's kind of off topic, but look, uh, with Greg Olson, uh, we have him predicted as our number two tight end this year. Barring the impact, the injury update on Gronkowski, obviously if he plays, you probably have to get him back up there into that number two spot, slid right underneath a Jimmy Graham. But for right now, I've got Greg Olson as uh, the number two tight end, and it's simply a matter of, of lack of weapons. Uh, for the Carolina Panthers, they just don't have much. They don't do much to improve the position. It continues to sit there with very few skilled position players around them. I, I'm, I'm bewildered at the fact they don't do anything to improve this offense. They must feel that the offense is fine. And and I don't know how you could feel that way after being kind of a middle of a pack team. Yeah, you know, uh, Carolina's going to be Carolina until uh, Cam gets something around him. Uh, he's got to have something to, something around him. Steve Smith getting older. Uh, you know the running game, I, it's marginal. So uh, you know until he gets something around him, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to be able to do. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring in our guest for this evening. We do have a lot to get to tonight. We're going to jump right to it. Uh, our guest for this evening is Kimmer Schlisser, and and it's a very exciting uh, show for us. She's been on before, whether she'll admit it or not. But two years ago, she was honored. Uh, by Toyota, and recognized as one of the four recipients of their first ever Toyota Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. She's also been fortunate enough and well-deserving. She's earned over 148000 since she began participating in fantasy football over a decade ago. Mike, that's that's a lot of money for a, for a hobby. Two top ten finishes in the World Championship, the now-defunct World Championship of Fantasy Football, third and ninth overall in the same year, Mike, 2010, uh, two two top ten finishes, and runner up in the twenty five k platinum league in two thousand eight. That's the league that you actually your entry fee is twenty five thousand. That's why they call it the platinum league. Uh, and you'll remember this, Mike. She won the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship in two thousand ten. She finished runner up in two thousand and nine. I remember because we interviewed her that day. And then she won the King of the Decade contest for the most total points for a season. She's been on Sirius. She's been on ESPN, BFD Fantasy. Uh, and the KFFSC radio shows. Uh, she's won tons of several local leagues, and her current high-stakes manager ranking is the number six world-ranked player. This is Kimmer Schlisser. Welcome to Red vs. Blue, Kimmer. Hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Hey, good, Kimmer. Great. Thanks for having me on tonight, guys. You got well, it. We have, we have a lot to get to tonight, Kimmer, and this is a, uh, this is a fun show because I, we want people and, and the listeners out there to get to know you a little bit. So, so, so just talk to the talk to the uh, the crew here, the chat room. You know, you know all about them. I and, know all uh, about those guys. Yeah, you've been, and and they're they're here every week. It's a it's a loyal it's a loyal crew, and uh, they're they're some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fancy football. But we have um, we we've got Kimmer here. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to give the listeners a you know a little bit of intro about who Kimmer is. So tell tell everybody when you first started playing fantasy football. Actually, Scott and Mike, I started playing back in 2002 in a league in Indianapolis called the Bruce Brothers. They were looking for a uh, a player because uh, one of the guys had dropped out, and one of my good friends uh, knew I liked the NFL and asked me if I'd play. And um, So I started playing in that league, and it's still the same league as, as when we started. They use uh, three individual defensive players. Oh. And um, I will tell you, um, I got uh, beat up pretty good my first year in that league, but uh I came back and uh, understood the rules and started learning more about fantasy football, and I've played in that league every year. We have a, a live draft in Indianapolis every year. It's, it's just a lot of fun, and it's a league that uh, those relationships, you, you understand the team camaraderie and the chemistry. Yep. of Just being in a local league, it's just a lot of fun. Yep. So, Mike that's and I where have I got my too. start. And, and tell everybody where you're from. You mentioned Indianapolis, but tell everybody where yep. you're from and kind of what you do for on a, on a day-to-day basis. Well, I'm actually from southern Indiana, Sellersburg, Indiana. It's right across the bridge from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, about uh, 15 miles. And um, I actually uh, lived in Indianapolis for several years and worked for the state government. Um, I went to college, went to law school, and um, I think a lot of people know my family had a business. They started back in 1977. I'm getting ready to date myself and tell you how old I am. And um, I just credit my parents for strong work ethic, 
when I was 11 years old, we all had to go work in the business, and uh, my mother and father broke every child labor law there was. Of course, those didn't exist back then. But um, it just taught us kids, you know, how to work. If you wanted to be good at something or, or get something in life, you had to work at it. And I've just kind of applied those same theories and principles um, in fantasy football as I did when I started out working when I was 11 years old. Nice. Yeah. Now, so that's kind of uh, where I got started. And you had to take this uh, this start from being in the southern Indiana area, getting the league right. going in Indianapolis, whether through travel or what have you, and then somehow you find out about the high-stakes world. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, that was kind of funny. I was playing in Indianapolis in a local league, and, of course, you know, when you, you play well one year, it's kind of like golf. That one good shot keep, you know, keeps bringing you back, you know, to playing golf, right? And um, yeah. so I, I I did fairly well in that league, and I thought, I want to do something more. I want to do something different. And uh, I, our league doesn't even have PPR in it. It's a traditional scoring, TD scoring, individual defensive player. So I was looking at a fantasy football magazine one weekend, and I saw an advertisement for the uh, Wyckoff uh, back in 2003, and I thought, geez, I want to go out there. I want to just try it and see how we do. And uh, I'll be quite honest with you, I couldn't find anybody to go with me. And um, I finally begged one of my friend's husbands to go with me. It was kind of funny because I didn't want to go by myself. And uh, I was really scared as a female to go. I'm not going to lie about it. And I thought, I just don't want to get uh, get beat too bad here in Las Vegas. But we ended up going, and we finished 10th overall that year. So I, I actually do have more than two top 10 finishes. But it was a lot of fun. And guess what? I've been going back ever since, every year. I'm right there with you. And, and you know, and, and listeners, obviously um, – the fact that you were able to put two teams in the top ten and have other top ten finishes, right. uh, it's just mind-boggling because there's so many teams and so many entries involved. You have to get hot at the right time. There's just so many factors that go into it. I can tell you I know of so many good, talented players that have never been in the top ten, and I've only done it once, and it was just the greatest feeling in the world right. uh, to be up there and be battling on the last week and even have a chance yeah. at some of that and right. just to taste it. So. uh it's a very, very hard thing to do, Kimmer. This is Kimmer Slisher uh, on tonight on Red versus Blue, the number six ranked player in high stakes rankings. And look, first off, what do you think about these rankings and uh, these global player index that Emil Cadillac's been working on for the last five years? And, and what do you think those players at the top, what do you think they do differently than the rest of everybody else? Because it seems to me I've had all these people on the show. I had all the guys and the gals. I've had you and Jules. Some of the the females that play, I love having females playing fantasy football. It's the best, but it seems like they always win, or they're right there, or in the in the top of most leagues. What are they doing different? Well, first of all, um, you know I call Amel the Godfather because um, without him and his vision, and I guess was 2002 or 2001 when they first started the Wyckoff, him and Lenny, um, I just it's remarkable where fantasy football has come in the last 10 years. And um, as far as the rankings are concerned. I know people get caught up into those, and people say, how can I get ranked? And I really don't know. I have no idea how Emil does the rankings. I assume it's based on your wins and uh, total earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to participate in the high-stakes leagues, and if you want to be the best, you have to play the best. And, unfortunately, that, that means I have to play against, like, you guys and Ian Rich. Of course, I don't have to play against Ian Rich anymore. I'm happy about that, or Emil. <laughs> um, but, you know, i still got to play against Chad Schroeder, Nelson, John Rosek, Sean Child, you know, all these great players that, uh, that I have to play against. Uh, Mike Santos, I mean, the list goes on and on. So um, you just have to study. You have to be well-prepared. You have to understand the league rules. I mean, because in Vegas you've got so many different leagues now, and I always tell everybody the first thing you have to understand are the rules. And um, people don't, I think they take that for granted sometimes mm-hmm. and understand the waiver wire. And then just developing your own tiering system. Like I tier and rank my own players. Um, yeah, I subscribe to a couple different services, but I do my own rankings before I go to a draft. So I have a basic understanding of where I want to draft. Of course, when you go to different leagues, sometimes you're assigned a, a, a random draft position. But if you go to, like, the SBFFC or the KFFSC, some of those leagues, um, you know, you have to bid on your draft position. So you have to have – I mean, you have to be well-prepared, and I know all the best players are well-prepared. They do the research. Um, they use AVT. They use different theories. And um, and that's why they are the best. They put in the extra work. Yeah, no no doubt about it, Kimra. And uh, you know I've been uh, fortunate enough to uh, draft against uh, you and uh, John Rosick, uh, Chad as well. You know, and it's been it's been a lot of fun because you love kind of uh, sitting down, kind of looking at each other. You know, you're shaking hands and 
kind of giving the uh, fist bump, and then once you sit down, then you're kind of looking at each other. Okay, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? What's That's going right. on? That's right. And, and and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, Kimra. And uh, uh, there's a lot of people out there, and uh, this was myself, I would say, probably, uh, shoot, uh, six, seven years ago. Uh, you know, what's the best advice to give somebody uh, jumping into a uh, FFWC main event or a roller bowl for the first time? You know the difference from you know your general home league. You know you you got you got your home league, but you want to make that jump into a uh, uh, main event or a rollerball. What's what's the difference there? Well, once again, I always tell everyone to understand the uh, rules because this year with the FFWC, you're going to have eleven uh, eleven man roster. So uh, in my theory, you're going to have to stock up on more running backs and receivers. Yeah, it takes away. You know, there will be Sundays when I sit there and I think, okay, which wide receiver am I going to sit? Invariably, I'll be sit the wrong one. But, you know, it takes that away, that, that decision-making. But also, you need more depth on your bench. So you need to understand the rules first and foremost. Another thing that I always pay attention to is there's a great article. You know, I guess I'm propping some of these people up. But uh, BFD, I mean, Lou and uh, Joe Jefferson now, they do a great article with, you know, the coaching tree. And if you have to understand that the coaches are the decision makers. You don't ever listen to the players. You know, players are going to tell you they're going to play, or the players are going to tell you how many targets they're going to get. You know, you need to understand the coaches. You need to understand how the coaches think, their offensive philosophy, who the coordinators are. And that that is an article that I read every year, and I read it more than once. And because a player can only do so much is what the coach does for him. Yeah, coaches make the decision. That's no right. The it. coaches make the decision who's playing and who's not. Yep. So that's, Kimmer, that's the two things I do first, obviously. Yeah. I love the coaching tree. It's it's a must-read from, from BFD. We had Joe Jefferson on a couple weeks ago. We're going to have him back. Yeah. And then we are talking to Kimmer Slister tonight, the number six-ranked player in the world. I, I know she's going to get here, tired of hearing me say that all night. My best drafts this year seem to be uh, this year. It seems like it's going back to a traditional way. And uh, maybe it's just me because I like to look at my draft after I'm after I'm done, and I, and I have a certain opinion about it, whether – I feel good about it, or maybe I'm like, man, this team just might as well throw it in the crap, or I might have to work my tail off to get competitive in this thing and spend a lot of money in free agency right off the bat and, and get lucky. And, you know, sometimes you feel that way. Right. But this year, the more drafts I've done, I don't know, I've, I've done a lot, um, it, it seems like I'm. it's going back to traditional running back, running back strategy. And, and the leagues where I'm drafting RB, 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 three in a row, mm-hmm. seem to be looking great to me, too, especially in the draft master format. So, Right. Do you, are you seeing that too? Yes, and you know how hard it is for me to draft three running backs because I hardly ever do it. But in the draft master league, obviously, uh, over the period of 16-week season, you need to have that running back depth. And we all know the stud, the elite running backs, they're few and far between. And you want to get as many of those guys as you can on your team, especially in the draft masters format. Um, and I, I agree with you. Um, it may be where I draft a couple running backs to start off this year. I always want one stud running back, if anybody knows how I draft. I always want one stud running back to anchor my team. And then I try to load up on elite receivers, guys who are going to see over 100 targets or 100 receptions. And then I try to pinpoint running backs where I can get value later on in the draft, like a Lamar Miller this year, a David Wilson, Shane Vereen. I'd like to add, you know, those guys to my roster. So I like to start off definitely with a stud running back and then hit my receivers pretty hard. Yeah, especially in the FFWC when you may have to start on a on a week where you're thin at running back. You may have to start five up to five wide receivers on any given week. We do have the 11-man lineup. Right. Uh, with the dual, the three wide receivers with the dual flex, so that makes it very challenging. Uh, th- you heard about the breakout pick, David Wilson. I assume that that was yes. kind of our breakout pick at Toolbox. Thoughts yes. on him and where he'll end up being drafted come September? Well, I think, I mean, so many guys last year were on him. I remember early in the drafts, he had that one great preseason game last year, and he was rocketing up sky. I mean, up the draft boards um, in the top ten picks. I remember in some drafts I was sitting in because of one preseason game, and then they they get the opener with the against the Dallas Cowboys. He fumbles, and then um, he struggles. Obviously, he's a rookie, so he was struggling uh, early on in the season. But if you watch what David Wilson was doing, he did get better at the end of the season last year. And I pulled up some of his statistics today. Uh, Wilson received at least 13 touches in three of the Giants' final four games. He averaged over six yards per touch and 5.7 yards per carry over the final month with four touchdowns. And we're not going to talk about that 97-yard touchdown return he had against my New Orleans Saints. But the mm-hmm. guy is very talented, and he got better as the season progressed. 
And with Ahmad Bradshaw now departing to the Indianapolis Colts, you're going to see your fair share of David Wilson and Andre Brown. Mm. Yeah. So I you think, know you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, finish. No, I was just thinking he's going to, you know, he's going to be in in the top four, um, you know, top four rounds. He may slip into the uh, round three uh, by the time September hits, end of August. Yeah, yeah there was uh, there was a lot of uh, giving up on uh, David Wilson, especially that first year. You know, Tom Coughlin, people are saying Tom Coughlin's giving up on David Wilson, this and that. No, David Wilson, he's legit. Uh, he, he's the real deal. And uh, it just depends on, uh, you know, where you want to take him. Uh, it's like what you talked about uh, in drafting those running backs. You know, where, where do you want to take one? Uh, wide receivers are so deep, running backs really aren't. But then again, it's a uh, it's a pass-happy game right now. So, you know, you get to the point to where it's like, all right, well, I, I just need to get my one stud running back, and then I can go ahead and start – just you know, just nailing uh, wide receivers left and right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing you know, Kim, I've been able to uh, been associated with you for a few years now, and uh, you know, it's been a pleasure. And you, you just uh, you have a solid knowledge about everything. And uh, one thing is, uh, you know, let's face it, today is July fifth. Uh, how many drafts have you already participated in? And uh, you know, what kind and what players uh, have you landed on those? Oh, my goodness. I hate to even tell you I'm on draft number 11 right now. And I think half of them have been with Scott. It seems like every time I get in the lead, Scott and I are drafting against each other. And I'm texting yep. him on to quit taking some of my players. But most of those have been draft masters. But we did do the um, – I participated in the FFWC First Dynasty League tournament. And uh, that was so much fun. But let me tell you, that was a lot of work because I've only done one other dynasty – excuse me, dynasty league. So uh, mm-hmm. that was uh, that was a lot of work for me. It is. But I'm in I'm in draft number eleven. I went back and I, I researched some of my notes when I was successful um a couple years ago and what I was doing and um I did a lot of draft masters to get a feel for where players were going and uh a better right. understanding of who was going where in the ADP. And uh, so I'm already in eleven. I said I was gonna cut down this year as in thirty four, thirty five last year. But I think <laughs> I'm on pace to break that, so um we'll see. <laughs> We'll see what happens by September, but uh, it's been a lot I of fun so far. It. I'm I sorry? Think you'll break it. got a good feeling you'll break it. And, I think you know, I'm going to. I think I am. <laughs> but you know what? The fun thing about those draft masters, and uh, we had a live draft on uh, Red versus Blue uh, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, it's there's so much fun. And, you know, just draft it, forget it, you know. And, right. But, it, you know, you do get a good feel of uh, where uh, – where you're drafting and where some of your competition's drafting as well and, you know, where they're going. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I've participated in a couple of those uh, Tuesday night drafting goes, and I've really enjoyed that with the FFWC. It's $99. It's affordable. It's reasonable. And you're drafting against the best players. I've already seen all their names in there. And uh, obviously with the draft masters, you don't have to worry. It's one less headache. You don't have to set your lineup during the season. So the draft master format is a great way to see where the players are going, find out the ADP, and then just, you know, draft it and let it go for the season. You don't have to worry about doing all those waiver wire pickups. Kind of homework for the um, events come, uh, you know, here in the next couple months. Absolutely. Drawing in a lot of uh, new players, too, from the FF Toolbox. Now, Kimmer, we were going to talk about tight ends. I talked to you earlier and said it was, we talked about Jimmy Graham being the consensus number one due to the Gronk uncertainty and the Hernandez garbage. Uh, and we had a question come in from Facebook. Guy Thompson asked uh, Kimmer, who are the tight ends to target after Jimmy Graham with the New England mess going on? There's Davis, Pitta, Witten. Who do you target after uh, Jimmy Graham and, and the Gronk? I think that you can target any of those players, and I think you will uh, – You'll feel good about it. Obviously, Dennis Pitta. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold on Greg Olson yet because of Cam Newton. But uh, Dennis Pitta, I think, is solid. I also have pegged. I think Brandon Myers, Dustin Keller. I think those guys are going to produce, outperform their ADP come draft day. Uh, Jared Cook from the from the Rams. Um, he's already been working with Sam Bradford. He's familiar with Jeff Fisher's offense. Um, is, is, this isn't going to be the offense from the Tennessee Titans. I think that these guys are going to outperform their ADP come draft day. So I think if you miss on Jimmy Graham, and trust me, I had Jimmy Graham on several teams last year, 
And um, I'm not a fan of drafting the tight end early, and those teams did not do well. I always felt I was short a running back or wide receiver when I took that tight end early because I think there's a lot of serviceable tight ends you can find in the middle of the draft. I mean, you could probably get Jason Witten in the fifth, sixth round. Tony Tony Gonzalez had, what, 93 receptions last year um, or a lot of targets. I mean, he's going to be poised for another good year this year. Um, before he retires again, I guess. Um, I think you can take any of those guys. Vernon Davis, with Crabtree being out, you know he's going to get his share of targets. So I think any of those guys, even Jermichael Finley, I think you're going to see um, you're just going to see a lot of mid-tier tight ends, and I think you can win with any of them. Well, Graham wasn't Graham last year. Now look, he wasn't. He, still, he was. He had a lot he of drops. He still caught 85 balls, 980 right. yards, and nine touchdowns. That's a fantastic stat line. Yes. But yes. the guy came off of a year where he caught 99 for 1,311, right. and so we're expecting big things. And yes. Sean Payton's not there. Now he's back. Right. And we we feel like it's kind of going to get back to the Graham uh, experience. And there may be a couple of tight ends are pushing up a little bit closer to where that is. I mean, I know mm-hmm. Vernon Davis is kind of exciting to me because I think you just have to give this guy a, a chance. It seems like he's always exciting in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and throughout the season he's just a bump. Right, and, and and I would love to see him put th- put something together because I do have him a couple places. But uh, we've got another Facebook question, an FF Toolbox Facebook question from Peter Zafania. Got the seventh pick in a ten-team PPR snake draft. Wondering what I should do with the first two picks. Should I go Megatron and a RB, or Megatron and another stud receiver? Well, oh, first he thing, starts, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He go starts ahead. two running backs. He starts two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex. Well, the first thing I do, if this is a local league, like the guys in Indianapolis, hopefully they're not listening tonight. I know exactly how they draft, and I know exactly who their favorite players are and who <laughs> which ones are going to take a quarterback early, okay? So on a 10-team, I mean, they're obviously going to have more players um, coming back around in the third and fourth round uh, rather than if you were in a 12-team league. So if Calvin Johnson is there at seven and you can start two wide receivers in a PPR league, I'm taking Calvin Johnson. Um, if he's not there, I'm going to take a stud running back. You're probably going to get a C.J. Spiller, Jamal Charles. I mean, you're going to get somebody there that's solid. Come back around at pick 14, you're going to get a – I would get an elite receiver. Um, you might – I mean, pick 14 – you might get a Des Bryant. I doubt it. Brandon Marshall, A.J. Green, or Damaris Thomas, you can get one of those guys. And I think you have a great start to your team. And then third and fourth round, you just need to take the best player available. And there's going to be plenty of running back talent coming back. What's that, pick 27, I guess, um, coming back in the third mm-hmm. round. So you're going to have your share of a, uh, my goodness, a Lamar Miller. Um, I mean, just Jordy Nelson. Uh, Victor Cruz, you're going to have a lot of talent sitting there at the third round. So it's hard for me to take two running backs there because I can't pass on those receivers when they're seeing that many receptions. So real I'll start out running, uh, running back. Quick, Kimber, before uh, Scott, uh, you go on to uh next question, uh, I've heard uh, you mentioned a couple of names, and uh, Lamar Miller. You, yes. Lamar Miller. I mean, I'm hearing that name a lot. And uh, I'm not sold on Lamar Miller. I, and uh, just uh, – Fill everybody in on, uh, you know, what can Lamar Miller bring to my team if I was to draft him? Well, I picked him as one of my breakout players, and um, I think with the departure of Reggie Bush to Detroit, I think that um, he obviously has the talent. Um, He doesn't have a lot behind him. Um, He's going to be the featured back. They're going to give him every chance to succeed in Miami. Um, He is explosive. He can get to the hole if you saw him when he played last year. And there's a reason they let Reggie Bush go. And um, to get his handcuff, it's going to be cheap. I mean, it's going to be fairly cheap. I mean, um, you've got, was it Mike Gillespie or however you pronounce his name, and Daniel Thomas. Mm -hmm. But those guys are cheap. If you get a David Wilson, you're going to have, you you know, the handcuff with Andre Brown is going to cost you a little bit. So if I'm sitting there in my draft and I'm looking at Lamar Miller or David Wilson, I may pull the trigger on Lamar Miller because I think he's going to have every chance to succeed. And they got Mike Wallace on the outside. they got Hartline um, in the slot. they got... Keller, he signed a one-year contract, so he's going to be motivated to perform. So they're putting skilled players around Mike or uh, Ryan Tannehill, and I think Lamar Miller has a chance. He's going to be playing against the Jets twice. He's going to be playing against the uh, uh, Bills twice. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> sorry, hey. sorry. <laughs> well, I like that, Kimber. I like that. Keep going, keep going, keep and, going. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen with New England. So um, I, I like Lamar Miller. I really do. He's from the University of Miami, and uh, – 
He, he was fantastic in college, and this is going to be his opportunity to shine this year. I've got I've him as my breakout player in, in a couple in magazines. Two, I've been in two dynasty startups this year, and, and there's only two guys that I have in bo- on both teams. One's Lamar Miller, and the other is Michael Floyd. So it's uh yeah maybe maybe it's just where he's going in the draft. I, I mm-hmm. and I'm waiting, and then all of a sudden he's there, and I'm like I've got to take him right. based on the upside. I got to take him. Right. Uh, wh- whether he pulls it off, we're all gonna we're all gonna see. Now you you've mentioned um you've mentioned so many drafts, and you're kind of like me. You said it. Yeah, I, you know, have you drafted against me several times? We've been drafting in the NFFC drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, over and over again, it seems like I'm signing up against you. And I'm like, oh, man, Greg, can you pull me out of that league? Uh, <laughs> well, that's now, what I'm saying about you because you keep taking all my guys. But I think I took Michael Floyd from you last week. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Why, why do you think players like – why are we drafting so early? Because a lot of people don't turn it on until August. They don't even think fantasy until August. Uh, why do you think it what, – do you think that helps us by drafting early? Because a lot of times that ADP, you just kind of throw it out the window anyway. Well, I hope so. It helps us. Um, like I said, I think it, you have a better understanding of the ADP, and it will evolve, as we know. Uh, once preseason games start and somebody bursts out into some fantastic 100-yard, two-touchdown game, I mean, the guy's going to skyrocket up the boards. But um, I think it is helpful for us, and um, I think we're ahead of the curve by drafting this early. Well, I hope so. It is uh, it is uh, something to see the ADP evolve from now until September Tuesday nights, you mentioned they're draft and go night. Why do you think those are becoming so popular with the with the with the community of high stakes players and just casual fantasy gamers? Well, I love it. I told you before, it's reasonable. It's ninety nine dollars. Um, I think that's one of the less expensive drafts that you can get into right now. Um, two and a half hours, you're done. You're playing against the best competition out there. I've seen all the guys in these drafts. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to draft against him again. But you're seeing the best talent. And you're seeing where guys are going, and um, there again, you draft it and you're done, and uh, you don't have to worry about the waiver wire this year. And I, I really like the Draftmaster format. It's 26 rounds, I believe. And uh, mm-hmm. like I said, you're done. It starts at nine o'clock Eastern time. You're generally done by 11:30. And uh, I just really like the format. I think it's a it's a great league that you all came up with, the FFWC. Yeah, it's, that's pretty cool, Cameron. I mean, you know, like like we talked about earlier, that draft. Draftmaster format, uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, one thing, uh, the, the players who, uh, you know, I mean, they paid their uh, FFWC balance uh, by this weekend. You know, they get their draft slot early, you know, early in July. And uh, is there a spot in the draft you'd rather be? I mean, early, late, does it matter? You know, me personally, I, you know, it doesn't matter, but uh, – but it, it it does make a difference to some of the, some of you guys, especially you, Kimra. I mean, you know, you're ranked pretty high in the uh, fantasy uh, world. So, uh, what's what's what scenario would you like? Well, obviously, I will tell you um, the years that I have done well in Las Vegas and high stakes leagues, I have drafted either tenth, eleventh, or twelfth. So I feel that I can win from any position, and I feel when I have pick one or two, there's so much pressure on nailing that first pick. There really is. And um, I think there's so much talent across the board this year um, at the first 24 picks. I think that you can't go wrong at any spot. I really don't. Um, You just have to have a strategy of what you're doing before you go out there and how you're going to start. And you should know who's probably going to be sitting there at pick 12, Marshawn Lynch, Maybe it does, Brian. I mean, you know the players are going to be sitting there. You have yeah. to make a decision. You're going to take Lynch and Alfred Morris. Are you going to take two receivers? Are you going to try to take Brandon Marshall, Des Bryant, and then hope uh, when it turns in you know, on the third and fourth round that you've got two decent running backs sitting there that you can pluck off the uh, off the draft. So um, you just, I think you can win from anywhere. I really do because I've done it, and I, I just, it doesn't matter to me where I draft from. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree with that because, uh, you know, once you get uh, – it seems like every year, once you get through the first two or three rounds, whether you're drafting 1-1 or 1-12 or 114 in some in some events, uh, once you get through those first three or four rounds, it's it's about picking those guys that, uh, that are kind of hidden, and that's going to make your team. 
Now, I obviously do want to tell you, I'd love to have Doug Martin on every one of my team, but I know in order for that to happen, I'm going to have to be either picking one or two. Mm -hmm. He was on most of my teams last year. And I remember being in the Kentucky League last year, my good friend Brad Cruz, and I. he knew. I I got behind him for a reason because I knew he wanted uh, Doug Martin, and I had to pick him in the second round to get him because I thought there's no way he's going past Brad and all these other guys like John Rozak and all of them. So, I mean, if you want a player, you're going to have to move up around generally to get him. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I want I want to throw that out there real quick, Scott. Uh, just just uh, just just for kicks, uh, what do you think about the uh, bidding for uh, draft picks, Kimra? I like it. I think it adds another dimension to the draft. Um, obviously, you can't study as much. I mean, if you know that you've got you know pick one or twelve, if you already have a random pick assigned to you, but I think it's fun because it just creates a lot of uh, um, intensity in the league. And uh, their strategy, because I'm not paying three, four hundred dollars for a player. Because I tell everybody, I'm a woman. I like to spend my money, and you know, I only get a thousand dollars on a waiver wire, and I'm going <laughs> to spend every daggone dollar of it. So, um, I'd like to have pick, you know, one through five if I can, but I'm not going to spend a lot of money on it because, like I said, I feel that there's enough talent in that first round, first second round, that um, I can win from anywhere. Yeah. Now, I want to bring that, you know, you're talking about draft slot, Mike, and you ask Kimra what she thinks about draft slot. Do you guys remember, and Kimra, I know you do. I'm going to take you back down memory lane. Uh, when you when you talk about the later part of the draft, I remember back in 2004 okay. when everybody, this was the year that everybody was talking about uh, the advantage or perceived advantage from drafting from number one. Because you got LaDainian Tomlinson, right? Everybody, mm-hmm. you can get LaDainian Tomlinson because this was the year he was coming off of like 100 receptions. You remember that? And yes. he was still coming off like 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns. And I think, you know, yes. later on in his career, he ended up setting that 28 touchdown. Crazy, huh, crazy mm-hmm. year. Uh, but he still, he was 100 reception back. And, and everybody was like, you just got such an edge from number one position. Well, that very next year was the year that Tiki Barber and Curtis Martin both nailed their their fan their career years, and you mm-hmm. got them from the back end of the draft, and and that was just kind of um I don't know it was just interesting that I remember that from that happening when everybody was <laughs> worried about getting the number one pick. Well, the back end of the draft was where it was won that year. You right. were able to get wide receivers maybe early, and then you came back and nailed a uh, an RB two you know that you thought was an RB two, but Tiki and Curtis they ended up performing like RB one, so you just never know. Right, uh, where that value is going to be. Exactly. And I would tell you the year that I won the Kentucky League, um, I actually drafted Peyton Hillis when he had his mm. breakout year, the one great year he had, and um, yeah. I had Michael Vick and a lot of receivers. And then in Vegas, when I've had the two teams that finished in the top ten, I actually drafted Michael Vick in the 20th round because I had Kevin Cobb. And so I always tell everybody when they start laughing about the 20th round, I said, look, the, the you know, that is a relevant pick. <laughs> Um, I know because I got Michael Vick in the twentieth round, and I finished third overall. That, and I finished third overall that year. So don't take those picks lightly because um, if you have somebody who breaks out and you've got depth on your bench, and everybody else wants to spend nine hundred dollars on that player. Too bad because you've already got him on your bench. Yeah, uh, forty-eight forty-eight minutes past the hour. We've got a lot more to cover here. Phantom Menace in the chat room wants to know what do you think about Tavon Austin this season. Just a quick quick answer on that. Love Tavon Austin's potential. The Rams would not have moved up into the first round to uh, get him. They're going to move him all over the field, backfield, slot, however they can get him the ball. Brothers Mayhem wants to know, what's your choice, Kimmer, for running back in round nine or later mm. that could be a top 15 running back? Ooh, that's a okay. tough one, man. Well, okay, I, I guess i got to give secrets. I love Zach Stacy. I think he could be this year's Alfred Morris. I actually think I wrote about him in a magazine. Um, there's a three-horse running back committee mm-hmm. with Pete yeah. Richardson and Zach Stacy. If you look at Zach Stacy and the way he's built and you watch him on film from his days at Vanderbilt, he he could be this year's Alfred Morris. And anybody knows anything about Steve or uh, Jeff Fisher? Um, he's out of I think he's been in the league 19 years, 15 years. He's had a thousand yard rusher, and that goes back to the days of Chris Brown and Travis Henry. So Zach Stacy could be a guy that um, you can definitely get. And I know I know uh, Scott, you see me try to uh, nag him in several of our drafts as well in the ninth, tenth round. Mm-hmm. And don't sleep on Jonathan Franklin either. If Eddie Lacy's toe injury continues to be a concern, uh, that 
Jonathan Franklin is very talented, and there's a reason that the Packers got him. Well, Pete was supposed to be the guy, and just a disappointment after that uh, substance abuse violation. So and we'll he's see what. Uh, I know. Yeah. I know. The first game out of the gate. So the first game, the Rams are either going to have Richardson or uh, Zach Stacey starting. I'm sure they're going to start Richardson. They probably won't start the rookie, but he's going to see some touches that day. From Facebook, favorite running back for this year for Dynasty. One point. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's it's hard. Be or Martin, right? Yeah. Either one. I, I, Monty Ball as well. Obviously, he's in a great situation in Denver. I uh, love Christine Michael, and uh, I know one of my dynasty guys keeps trying to get Christine Michael from him, and I don't think he's going to get him from me. Another question from Facebook. What number two running back from last year will see the biggest increase in touches, potentially a starting job in the future? In the future. That's a great question. That's a redraft, not a dynasty? Oh, you know, it's. Yeah, it, it, he, the first question was dynasty, so let's just let's just go with dynasty. Hmm, dynasty. With number two running back. Hmm. Well, obviously, tough... yeah, two running back last year. I mean, you're still looking at David Wilson, Lamar Miller, who played last mm-hmm. year. Uh, Maybe a Shane Vereen too Shane, has that opportunity. Shane, yeah, I love Shane Vereen because, um, obviously, with what's going on with the Patriots, they're going to have to run the ball more, and if he fills that slot. Uh, that Danny Woodhead had last year. Danny Woodhead had 55 targets or 55 reception. I have to check the stats on there. But um, he's going to fill that role this year. And with their lack of receivers and their tight end issues, they're going to run the ball more. They have to. And I think Shane Vereen will uh, move up the draft boards. I think he's in the late fifth round now going on the draft boards. He will move up. He, I guarantee he'll move up by September. Which Brown do you like better, Bryce Brown or Andre Brown? Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, probably um, Andre Brown. Okay. Really? And LaMichael, LaMichael James, do you see any dynasty value in him? Yes, and I wish I would have got him in my dynasty league and I didn't get him. Loved right. LaMichael James. Yeah. All right, well, Kimber, we're going to play a quick question before we get to your picks that everybody's here for tonight. The underrated, overrated, or just right game. We played it before. I'm going to give you a name. You're going to tell me underrated, overrated, or just right. You ready to play? Okay, here we go. All right, Shane Vereen at 5'11". Underrated, overrated, or just right? Oh, he's underrated. Mike Trent? Underrated, big time. All right, Colin Kaepernick, 5'9". Under, over, or just right? I say he's just right. Man, I got to I gotta agree, just right. <laughs> Quarterback right, position's deep this year. It is, yep. it is. I, that's what makes me say it's it's a little bit over because I, I think you just need to wait this year. Lamar Miller, 3-9, under, mm. over, or just right? I say he's just right. He's going to go in the third round in Vegas. I think he's overrated. All <laughs> I right. talked about it earlier. We're going to have to have a bet on that, Mike, by the end of the year. And, and you're a Dolphin fan, too, aren't you, if I remember correctly? No, great to a Dolphin fan, uh, but, you know, I just – I, I do want to yeah, I'm not sold on yet. I just still say overrated. Okay. He's a cowboy fan, unfortunately. Oh, that's uh, right. A guy that was very you. hot last year, but he's been accused of having a baby skull. Cecil Shorts at six ten. Underrated, overrated, or just right? I say he's just right. He's going to go probably going to yes. round. Yep, just right. I'm really afraid of Cecil Shorts. I feel that they, he just, you know, it, it gives you that same Austin Collie feeling. As soon as he takes a hit, he just can't handle those bumps. Very right. afraid for uh, Cecil Shorts and uh, right. Dynasty owners. I think you need to sell. Jared Cook is always the talk of the preseason. <laughs> Everybody that observes Jared Cook, they are absolutely in love with him every year. And mm-hmm. then he disappoints on the field. This year, we know he's there. We hear the good things. His ADP is kind of steady at 10-3. Underrated, overrated, or just right? I think he's underrated. Gosh, will you quit? Underrated, big time. I'm reading your mind. Oh. <laughs> All right, Kimra. Well, hey, we've uh, we've got to the point in the show where we would like to uh, hear from you. Now, look, we've had your, we've had other people on the show. We brought Joe Jefferson in on the show. We brought Jules McLean on the show. And these are very early predictions. And and I and I think if they don't know already, you're going to be providing some premium content. Uh, for the listeners this year in the preseason, and and they're going to give them a little bit of a taste of hey, uh, this is a uh, this is who Kimra has 
the day before you need it on your draft day, the player you should avoid in the first and second round. There's one. There's 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 landmines out there. You have to know which one they are. We call that a bust. Uh, the comeback player is somebody that has done it before, hasn't done it recently, and this is the year to be targeting them in those middle to late rounds. And then the breakout player. So we want to we want you to give uh, the the listeners your July 5th edition of those picks. Those may not be the ones that you have and that you give us when it comes time for August and September, but your July 5th edition of those picks are what we're going to ask you for. That's your toll. For the red versus blue toll, you got to pay a toll. You've got to pay to the, the, the listeners here. The comeback, the bounce back, and the bust. Okay, before we get to that, I want you to know, I don't think I've told you this, Scott and Mike, yet, but Jules and I are going to have a team in the FFWC this year. Oh, together. God. You? Yes. That's, that's going to yes. be you? Yes, we're having oh. a team. We've already got our team name. It's called The Heat from the movie. Oh. And uh, oh. I don't, don't ask me who, which one is which, right? I, I have no idea. But uh, we, I've already talked to Jules. We've already signed up. We don't know which league we're going to be or what time we're going to draft. But um, we're excited about it. So we just want to let everybody know that uh, we're going to cool. uh, partner up this year, and we're going to have a lot of fun at the FFWC with that, that, with that league. That is scary, scary news. <laughs> So let's get to the uh, breakout pick. Everyone knows I've, I've already um, said I think Lamar Miller would be my breakout pick. Um, my comeback player uh, in one of the articles I've written was Larry Fitzgerald because I think Carson Palmer um, is going to be a great addition to him in the Arizona offense. And then the first-round bust pick, I had Morris Jones-Drew last year, and uh, I think I got that one oh, I think I got that one right. This year it's really hard for me. Um mm-hmm. I went back and forth a little bit between Ray Rice coming off the Super Bowl win and trying to figure out how Bernard Pierce was going to play into their offense. And mm-hmm. um, But ultimately, I have Arian Foster because of his injury history and because I do not like drafting Arian Foster because I have to draft Ben Tate so high. His handcuff is so expensive. So I yeah. generally try to avoid Arian Foster if there's another stud running back sitting there. So, you know, that's – that's really sound reasoning for why you don't take yeah. Arian Foster because of the price you have to pay on Ben Tate. And I, I would argue that you may even have to pay a higher price this year for Bernard Pierce. But it seems right. like what, what what's going to happen is, and this is the way fantasy football gods, the way they work, if there are fantasy football gods, the way it works is you were burned last year when you passed on Adrian Peterson. He landed to somebody like Mike Trent at 1-6. He took him and rode him to a title. Right. This year, you're sitting there at 1-5, and you're like, I'm not going to let that happen again, no matter if he has a hamstring injury or not. You take him, and then he ends up burning you. Right. You're right. It he happens. It happens back. all the time. Yeah. I better I better go trade Arian Foster in all my dynasty leagues right now. No, That's how I, I wouldn't feel. trade him. Let's just hope <laughs> get my up. rosters. Aaron, get my rosters. <laughs> i I got I to find out how many leagues I have Arian Foster in. Uh, Kimra Slisher, it's been so much fun. We love having you on the show, and we can't wait to see you uh, in Vegas. Tell everybody about the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. You're involved now. Farrell's always been the been the guy, but we love the Kentucky event. And tell everybody about what you're doing there. Oh my goodness! Uh, back early part of this year, um, Farrell and a couple of guys from California, his friends, um, wanted to form an advisory committee on how to get the Kentucky draft even bigger. It's the we think it's the biggest live event. Um, outside of Las Vegas. And so we're actually branching out this year. Uh, we're going to have a new website up and running hopefully in a couple of weeks. We've got some online Kentucky leagues for all of our friends um, who can't travel to Kentucky the weekend of August 24th, 25th. Um, and also we're going to have a, a draft in Cincinnati uh, the week on Sunday, August the 18th. So I didn't want to become a financial partner in this business because it's in my backyard and I, I love playing in it too much. And uh, so I agreed to become an advisor and help try to grow the league with the guys. And it's been nothing but uh, a great time so far. And I hope to see everybody who can travel. It's just a great weekend, a horseshoe casino. And um, it's about 15 minutes from my house, so I enjoy going to that event. So there's going to be a couple of different options? I mean, yeah, the uh, – yeah, we'll have on. They'll have online drafts. They've already uh, got the time set up through RT Sports. There'll be online drafts for those guys Beautiful. who cannot uh, travel. Um, I know it's like guys like TNT, uh, Tend to New. There's just so many guys. Um, Jules will probably play in it. Uh, Nina Deluki from Colorado. There's just going to be a lot of people. Sean Childs probably Good. from Boston uh, that can't travel 
uh, that weekend. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Kimra, we we look forward to it. We'll definitely be there uh, in Kentucky. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be a good time for everybody that comes. Uh, and you can check out Kimra. She will be having uh, she will be down in Kentucky. Or you may be in Cincinnati as well. It sounds like, and she'll definitely yeah. be out in Vegas. Uh, for the uh, for all the main event action, probably all across the industry. So, Kimber Slicer, thank you for being on, girl, and uh, come back very, very soon. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Go ahead. Thank you. I appreciate it, uh, Scott and Mike. And I also want to uh, thank all the men and women who serve our country. I know it's Independence Weekend, but I just want to thank all of them for their service to our country. So you guys take care. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great weekend. What an interview, Mike. That was uh, a great time. Uh, anytime we get somebody of the caliber of Kimra or Jules or Joe, the show is uh, is a lot of fun. Now, Mike, this is the, the last part of our show here is our Super Bowl predictions, and yep. we're making them uh, for the, the, just for fun. We do it all every year, but we put it on record. And, uh, Mike, we have to pick somebody from the AFC and somebody from the NFC and a Super Bowl MVP, so I'll let you go ahead and start. AFC, NFC, and Super Bowl MVP. Okay, my AFC is Seattle. My NFC is uh, Green Bay Packers. My AFC is Seattle Seahawks because I just feel like they're uh, progressing and they continue to move forward. Their defense is awesome. Uh, My NFC is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, My Super Bowl MVP is going to be Russell Wilson. Wait a minute. I don't understand what you just said. Did you just say Seattle's playing Green Bay in the Super Bowl? Is that what you just said? I did. <laughs> and Russell Wilson is going to be the MVP. They're both in the NFC, doofus. Wait, you, are, we're talking NFL. Scratch that. Let's let's go rewind and let's go all the way back. Mike Trent, we're going to our predictions for the NFL, AFC, NFC, and Super Bowl MVP. Mike, I'll start with you. Give us your representative for the AFC. Okay, it's going to be uh, the Denver Broncos. They're going to beat Cincinnati Bengals. I got. I, I'm so. I'm so wrapped up in Seattle right now, but I'm throwing them out. Uh, Denver Broncos. Uh, they're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Believe it or not, Denver is going to beat Cincinnati. And wait, we got wait, Seattle. wait, well, 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 you said this is this this whole segment has been so bought. Like, the whole segment is just ruined. We might as well scrap the whole thing and just do it. Try again next week. Because right when we started this show, right before the show, you said, you're going to do, you're going to pick Denver, aren't you? I know you're going to pick Denver. I'm going to pick the Bengals. And I said, and now you're saying Denver's going to beat Cincinnati. Don't you mean Cincinnati is going to beat Denver? Doesn't that, isn't that what you really mean to say, Mike? Denver. We'll beat Seattle. All right. Well, we'll we'll ask Mike. Mike, we'll ask you after I pick, I make my picks. And 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 again, I I think uh, there's a couple of teams that really excite me this year that I just can't wait to watch play uh, football this year. One of them hey. is the Detroit Lions, and I'm not picking them to represent the NFC. But I think they're going to have a much better year this year. The the fact that they added another defensive talent like Ansah to the draft, when you're going to have Indominic and Sue and Farley and Ansah on the same team on that side of the ball, plus you brought in Reggie Bush to help take the pressure off of Matt Stafford, and that uh, that passing game can be a little bit more vertical now. They he he found the he found the the, uh, the turf quite a bit. I hope Reggie Bush can stay healthy. I think Denver. Uh, represents the AFC. Detroit will will have a much better year, but I have them losing to Seattle uh, in the the NFC Championship game. Somebody's going to knock off Atlanta. Somebody's going to knock off Green Bay. Green Bay is definitely somebody you got to watch. If you give Aaron Rodgers a ground game, I could easily see him going there. Uh, But Denver, look, it's very hard to pick against Denver Broncos. They're the 11-2 favorite in Vegas for a reason. There's only a couple of teams that are even close to them. New England, 8-1. San Fran six to one, Seattle eight to one. Everybody else is double digits, like fifteen or twenty-five or thirty to one. So it's very, it's. I hate to, I hate to pick chalky, Mike, but I've got Denver and Seattle in the Super Bowl, and I have Peyton Manning with a uh, with a Super Bowl ring and the MVP. You can't 
you can't pick chalk right now. There's no way in my mind you can pick chalk right now uh, in the NFL because so many things change. There's just so many things that uh, come into, uh, uh, you know, just a lot of differences there, Scott. Uh, there's there's no way that I can sit there and, and pick a odds-on favorite and say, okay, I like them. No way. All right, so you, you, were picking, you were picking before the show, you were saying – Cincinnati would be the representative in the AFC, and yes. Seattle would be the representative in the NFC, right? No, I, and, I'm, I'm Cincinnati and Green Bay. Oh, Cincinnati, Green Bay, and then the Super Bowl MVP. And who wins, and who's the MVP? Uh, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers and uh, Green Bay. Gotcha. Okay, well, we've got that straight. Everybody, hey, thank you, crew, the chat room, uh, for being here. It's a great show. Make sure you uh, you check us out next week. We're going to have a, a, another amazing guest on. Uh, tomorrow I will be on Sirius XM Radio uh, at the 9 a.m. hour with Tony Sincata. Uh, definitely check us out there. And, uh, look, we'll see you guys next week. We have the Tuesday night drafting goals if you get signed up for those. Plus, this was a big announcement, we are doing a live first-ever FFWC Qualifier League. It's 175 to play. Somebody's going to win a seat at the main event next year. It's going to be drafted broadcast live on red versus blue july 19th july 19th so you have you have two weeks to get your entry in and there's only going to be 12 spots i don't expect them to last long uh go over there to ff toolbox uh message boards and you'll see the qualifier forms you'll be able to read all about them and what's going on and you can get signed up from there but uh mikey it's as always buddy uh hat good to, good to connect with you good yeah. to chat with you and uh, glad that you had a, a good Fourth of July weekend with the fam and the friends. Tell Rachel we said hey. And, sure will, uh, man. And uh, you tell Aaron and the boys uh, I said hello. And uh, happy Fourth of July to everyone. And uh, just just great that uh, we, we live in a great country. Don't ever uh, take that for granted. This week in your draft, Shane Vereen and Michael Moore. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.